0: I hope the sun is peeking through your snow heavy evergreens at 6.30 every morning like it is in my part of the world. The sun is compelling me to go outside earlier every day. I fill pails of alfalfa, a little goatex, and I make sure poppy, clover, and thistle and our three goats have enough hay and fresh water. It's a beautiful start to the day. But if I don't get to the chickens fast enough, Wyatt Earp, the youngest rooster, will be crowing noise in his extra demanding way. Personally, I preferred his dad, King Henry. I think the Cluckingham princess has preferred him too. Recently, I have to slog through knee-high snow to feed and water the animals. But I'll tell you why I chose this lifestyle. I spend more time commuting in nature I'm responsible to nurture others and that is soul satisfying and healing for me and useful since my four kids are growing up fast. Our eldest is about to turn 22 and also doing this animal homestead thing. It just makes me happy. It's work. It costs money. It's dirty. And it means I have various feed of all sorts occasionally scattered on my mudroom floor, or goats chewing at my cherry tree or stealing grapes, chickens messing with my neat pea gravel paths, or a loving great peer annoying the neighbors as she chases deer. But this homestead life makes me happy. Not unlike the homeschool lifestyle. At times, there were too many voices, too many messes, too many erasers and sofa cushions, not enough sharpened pencils, not sure where the scissors are, still. There was too much bickering, complaining, and sassing, and regularly enough, the kids were doing that too. (laughs) But the homeschool lifestyle was family memory rich, packed with so many marvelous moments, captured in my mind, my blog, and my Instagram page. It was the exact collage of beautiful family moments I'd always wanted to create. My charmed life. We had adventures. We packed the minivan with everything we needed for a six-week trip to the Arctic. Everything, of course, but a spare tire, which was required for the Dempster Highway. We had kids that learned to read in different ways, with various tools. Kids that did what I asked when I asked kids that wondered why they had parents, extroverted kids, introverted kids, kids that wanted to learn as a group, and kids that wanted to read on their beds, kids who wanted college classes in high school, and kids who wanted high school. There were unit studies, seasons of Charlotte Mason, and unschooling, and classical homeschooling, and definitely eclectic homeschooling seasons, and a thousand iterations of homeschooling that shift, shift, shifted, to my child's need, to a parent's need, to clarifying again what we believe in education is anyway. My charmed homeschool life has had more challenges than I ever would have signed up for. Welcome to life and certainly welcome to family life, but it's also been a remarkable tool for a happy life. If you wanna be able to say that too, then join me in this conversation Today, we are going to discuss Gretchen Rubin's book, The Happiness Project. And welcome, welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa, the Homeschool Life Coach at CapturingTheCharmedLife.com. This season of the podcast, I'm dedicating to those homeschool moms who want to shed what's not working so they can show up authentically, purposefully, and confidently. So if that's you, welcome. Welcome. So, on today's episode, we're going to discuss author Gretchen Rubin and her book, The Happiness Project. That's a book that came out a few years ago but has such resounding principles that I've included it on my Homeschool Mama reading list. And I think it's a useful tool, a useful book to help us think about how we're showing up in our homeschool lives and whether we want to be happy or happier or how to be happy in our homeschool lives. Before we get started, A few questions for you. What are your beliefs about happiness? What do you think about happy people? What are the benefits to being happy? And what disadvantages do you see? How can we build on our own happiness? What do we do when we're angry with our homeschooled kids? And what's the mindset we need to have to foster happiness? Gretchen Rubin's book has been part of our Homeschool Mama Book Club last year, so we won't be discussing it this month in the Homeschool Mama Book Club. Instead, we're going to discuss Leah Bowden's book, Modern Miss Mason, Discover How Charlotte Mason's Revolutionary Ideas on Home Education Can Change How You and Your Children Learn and Grow Together. So we're going to talk about her book in the Homeschool Mama Book Club, but if you're part of the Patreon support group or would like to be, you can join us in having a conversation with Leah Bowden about her book, about the things she's learned through her almost 20 years of homeschooling her children in the UK. So if you're looking for community, interesting conversation with other homeschool moms around the world, join us. Okay, so let's chat about how we can foster happiness in our homeschool using Gretchen Rubin's book, The Happiness Project. Straight up, we homeschool moms need to fearlessly guard and strengthen our happiness, because what we have within us is what we have to offer our families. Gretchen Rubin says the belief that unhappiness is selfless and happiness is selfish is misguided. It is more selfless to act happy. It takes energy, generosity, and discipline to be unfailingly lighthearted. I know that when we have happy energy ourselves, we have happy energy to share with others. Just think about that for a second. When we're happy, it's easier to share happy with others. Turns out this is the case no matter what we do in life. But homeschooling is this unique scenario that it requires a 24-hour, seven days a week, possibly a few decades, a fuel tank full of happy energy. (laughs) That is a whole lot of energy. And I'm not suggesting that you need to be lighthearted and happy all the time, because I know that is not a real life. But I'm assuming that your goal is happiness. That aspiring towards happiness is a worthy goal. So I say let's build practices toward that, toward happiness. Oh yeah, girlfriend, I'm saying that because you, homeschool mama, get to be happy too. So you could grab your journal and write your thoughts around what you think happiness is or what your beliefs about happiness are. The second thing that Gretchen Rubin shares is that happy people generally are more forgiving, helpful, and charitable. Damn girl, truth, that is what I have seen. When we're preoccupied with our joy and others' joy, we don't want to remain in an unhappy space. We'd rather return to a pleasant place. Though feeling angry or disappointed is only human, staying there with your anger or disappointment has no long-term benefit to you or those around you. Because happy people are more forgiving, helpful, and charitable, obviously families are benefited because we have many reasons to be forgiving, helpful, and charitable. All kids and all families need forgiveness and charity. So if we're happy, then our families get more forgiveness help, and kindness. Sounds like a win-win. Gretchen Rubin reminds us that what you do every day matters more than what you do once in a while. And building in regular happy creating practices every day matters. Like these activities. Meditate on things that are true, to connect with that still small voice, to recognize that your thoughts are just thoughts, they're not you, We need to practice just being. If you head to my website, capturingthecharmedlife.com, you'll find a few of my favorite guided meditations. There's three there. There's a five-minute grounding meditation, a loving kindness meditation, which is really like a prayer, and guided meditation for inner peace and calm. The second thing I like to include in my day, and maybe this is because over the course of my life I've lived with a soft tissue injury and also because I'm getting older, but yoga is powerful. It adds strength and relaxation to your physical body. And if you've got kids, you're expected to play, so you need to use that body. I share a few simple guided videos yoga videos to get you started. There's yoga with Adrian. Uh, There's actually a video there for you about is yoga actually good for you. A yoga stretch for bedtime to release tension and stress. And I might add that I have found yoga to be as effective as a couple Advil for the normal aches and pains of life or that self-tissue injury that I spoke to. So yoga can be an excellent practice that we include with our kids in our early morning routines, or it can be something we do with candlelight after the kids are in bed and just enjoy a little quiet at the end of the day. Intentionally schedule the simple things. If that means a piece of dark chocolate after dinner or two pieces of dark chocolate after dinner, then do that. A stash of special cookies tucked under your bedroom corner chair for the stolen quiet time in the afternoon. By the way, I won't tell the kids. The fourth thing you can do is, well, I'm going to say consume chocolate. Just an ounce of really good dark chocolate or a magnesium supplement, because if you are craving a lot of chocolate, it might be your sign that you need magnesium. I share an article on this post about why dark chocolate is good for you. You can find out more on my website. The fifth thing I share is to include supplements, brain fueling supplements, and all the other supplements that you could be taking that might increase your overall sense of well-being. You can check out a few that I use on my website. You can also learn about a few of them in my book, Homeschool Mama's Care: Nurturing the Nurturer, There are many excellent resource people out there to help you learn more about natural supplements, but the first person that I learned from is a fellow named Dr. Daniel Amen. He's the author of a book that influenced me profoundly, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life, and also happens to be a psychiatrist that does a whole bunch of brain scans and knows that there are very key elements that we need to include in our life to fuel our brain. And if you have a happy brain, you're going to have a happy life. The sixth thing that I share is that we need quiet time. Planning, including a specific time of the day or time of the week where you have quiet time. It could be a hot cup of coffee or mint tea before anyone talks with you. If your kids are not too small and waking you up as your very first alarm of the day. Just a quiet space to think without others' voices. A quiet space maybe to determine your thoughts or plans toward your day. A time to journal or plan or be quiet. And a time to speak daily affirmations to yourself. You can find the daily affirmations on the website post How Gretchen Rubin Informs My Homeschool. The seventh practice that I include Every day is self-awareness time. A powerful tool to understanding ourselves is to sit and listen to our uncomfortable feelings, to ask ourselves, why do you feel what you feel? What's the thought behind that feeling? What's the story behind that thought? We have to practice being gracious with ourselves, not judging our feelings as good or bad, but just observing them and honoring that we're a human being having a human experience and we're going to feel all the feels. When we unpack those feelings and ask ourselves why are we feeling what we're feeling, to learn about our thoughts, to learn about the stories we've created around those thoughts, we become self-aware. And if you're asking yourself, but girlfriend, where am I going to find the time to include self-awareness practice? I'm going to give you three thoughts, or maybe four. The first is you don't have to. The second is build it into an alarm on your phone. So grab your phone, put an alarm inside the phone that reminds you once a day to stop and ask yourself how you feel the second thing is create a self-awareness journaling practice in your morning routine and if you need a journal i have all sorts of journals that i've created as a resource that would be designed perfectly for you questions that help you do deep dives on discussions around boundaries, on discussions around your big emotions or the experiences that you're having, um, maybe your physical experiences. I've got a homeschool mom daily journal, a reimagining your homeschool journal, and a day school year journal. So if any of those topics sound like things you want to learn more about and understand how you're feeling or thinking around those topics, include them in your morning routine. The eighth thing I would suggest you do to build a happiness practice into your homeschool days is to accept all your feelings, no matter your feelings, whether it's disappointment or disgust, overwhelm, sadness, glee, frustration, contempt, or elation. All of them are yours because you're a human and humans feel all sorts of feelings. Recognize that feelings can often pass like clouds in the sky. They don't stay static, <laughs> yet they're not entirely predictable either. Probably the weatherman or weather person is more capable of predicting the weather than you might be of predicting how you'll emotionally respond to different things in your atmosphere. That's why we need to develop practices to become more self-aware. And unlike any other self-care tip I offer, this one of observing yourself is a profound one. It'll help you unlock intense, uncomfortable feelings. And I'm delighted that this last week I've completed the Self-Compassion for Homeschool Mama course. It's a self-directed course that can help you do a deep dive of your emotional atmosphere how you're speaking to yourself how you're engaging yourself and engaging the homeschool family life the way it is for you right now it'll also provide you with strategies to address those things so check out the self compassion for homeschool mama course the ninth thing that i share that we can do to increase our happiness is to include daily exercise somehow some way every day or at least if you say every day, then maybe it'll happen most days. Girlfriend, we just need endorphin rushes. We need endorphin rushes for happy hormones and burning off tension. Tension that might have arisen because we're listening to kids squabbling or maybe someone got hurt or there's complaints about math problems or you fill in the blank, but we need to burn off that tension with high intensity exercise that we enjoy. Like these three possible things that I share with you. And of course, however you move your body is the right way. And however you want to move the body is the ideal way. But just every day. Plan every day. I share three workouts on the post, How Gretchen Rubin Informs My Homeschool. There are these three. 10 minutes toned arms workout. The quick Pilates core workout. And an easy dance tutorial. It might be Dance Monkey. I like Dance Monkey. My kids know I love this tutorial and they don't like watching me do it, but I love doing it. And I will do it repeatedly every Friday night before I plan dinner. Include energizing activities. For me, that's writing, gardening, reading, nature. For you, maybe it's needlepoint or poetry. 1950s art deco. Clothing design, makeup techniques, or travel blogs you tell me. Whatever it is, do it every day, just 15 minutes. You can do that, or you can learn to do that, and your kids will learn that you are indeed going to do that if you include that practice every day. The next thing I'd share is to foster friendships. Nurturing friendships enables connections and satisfies the desire to know and be known. Friendships can be like comfort blankets. They can be the nurturing, supportive connections. Sometimes they can be novel experiences, like traveling to a foreign country. If you're looking for authentic, supportive community with me, you can connect in the Patreon support group for Homeschool Moms. But what you do every day... Matters. How you foster friendship will make you feel connected or disconnected in your communities. So, foster friendships. So, this has been 10 practices that you can include in your homeschool to increase your happiness. So, assess your routine. Is it serving you? Is it serving who you want to be? And helping you move toward happiness so you can show up on purpose in your homeschool lives. Hey, I'm interrupting this episode to share that I'll begin de-school coaching this week. Have you wondered why I've emphasized de-schooling so much recently? Since my focus is on your well-being and your self-care? It's because I know that how you think affects how you do your homeschool. And how you do your homeschool influences how satisfied you are homeschooling. I've been offering short thoughts on why deschooling schooling is valuable in every season of your homeschool on YouTube and Instagram. De-school coaching is for the homeschool mama who wants more freedom, more individualization, and more purpose in hers and her kids' homeschools and lives. Is that you? If you like coaching around deschooling. schooling to shift your perspective from a schooled mindset that might be interfering with your homeschool satisfaction, then join me for teaching and perspective-shifting coaching that can help move you toward more freedom and purpose in your homeschool life. So what we're going to do at this intensive is an assessment of your present homeschool, an assessment of your kids, an assessment of your belief on what an education is anyway, exploratory questions and discussions that will help shift your perspective and a plan to practically shift it toward your real kids and to your sense of satisfaction. We're going to allow for an hour and a half group intensive time, but there'll be small groups for the intention of going into a deep discussion that will truly serve you. You'll receive personal feedback and the D.School, your homeschool journaling workbook for you to continue the work afterward. And if you're already part of the Patreon support group, remember that you have a 14% discount coupon available for you in the Patreon support group. If you want to learn more, connect with me at www.capturingthecharmlife.com. Now back to the episode. Gretchen Rubin says that the first splendid truth in order to be happy is that I need to think about feeling good, feeling bad, and feeling right in an atmosphere of growth so what is she saying she's saying essentially you want to think of yourself as on a growth trajectory always assume that your life is about growth so how are we going to apply that to our homeschool life and living our homeschool life on purpose well first i'd say with a vision Our underlying vision for our homeschools and our personal visions for our lives influence how our children are receiving from us, how they're experiencing us, how they engage us. Our kids naturally take our energy and focus in life as they absorb our natural values. The stuff we actually believe, not the stuff we think we believe or the things that we want to believe. And I'm not saying that they're mirrored imprints of us because I know they're not but our kids do naturally take on our true values. But we get to determine our vision. We get to include that vision and create that vision and include it in our practical day-to-day experience. So we have to start with a vision to live a homeschool life on purpose. Know that how you see yourself affects how you are in your world. Whether you think it's useful for others to acknowledge you when you walk into a room, or whether you recognize that you have intrinsic value that is useful for others, whether you determine you get to have others attend to you as well as you attending to them, how you view yourself affects how you present yourself in your world. It's worth an assessment to question how you're actually showing up how you are received by others, including your kids. And whether we're being received the way we think we're being received. If we're living in an atmosphere of growth, we need to accept our mess and our imperfections. Because we all have a mess inside. Everyone. Not just you, and not just me. Imperfect is just the way this life thing is. But if you push back against the reality of your mess or imperfection, attempting to not directly deceive, but essentially deceive others or yourself that you're not a mess. You'll be in a whole lot more of a mess. So accept your mess and your imperfections. Growth mindset is our goal. And growth and learning are just as much a reality as a mess. Unless we pretend there's no mess, then there can be no growth. When we accept we're always on a growth trajectory, we can more readily accept our mess. And when we accept it, we're more likely to grow. The fifth and final thing that Gretchen Rubin shares that I think helps us to embrace our happiness is to engage our anger and our frustration in a different way. Studies show that aggressively expressing anger doesn't relieve our anger. It actually amplifies it. You can learn more about those research studies in Gretchen Rubin's book. It was a surprise to me that this was the case. Haven't we always been told to punch a pillow or go for a run or yell at our kid when we're angry? Okay, probably not the last one. But we have to give it expression. We have to give our anger expression, right? Or get it outside of ourselves. I've heard other research that suggests otherwise. I've heard through Gretchen Rubin's book and through other research that it turns out aggressively expressing our anger doesn't relieve our anger. It amplifies it. That our best bet is to learn mindfulness techniques, self-compassionate techniques, And sitting with our angry feelings, allowing them to pass, as they often do. Now I write that with as much ease as my happy writing fingers can type, which is really quickly. But I am as challenged to put that into action at times as probably anybody, even though I've spent years practicing. I love the conversation that I had with Judy Arnell about addressing anger on my podcast season one. Judy and I discussed how to deal with anger as you homeschool because girlfriend homeschooling ain't no utopia. And if you've ever been angry with your kids before homeschooling, well, you'll discover as a homeschooler, you'll have a lot of options to do it afterward. Judy suggested these ideas. Have a yes list. These are the things you allow yourself to do when you're angry. Have a no list. These are the things you don't allow yourself to do when you're angry. Recognize that anger is a signal for change. Something's not right. You need to shift something. Know that you can change yourself or know that you can remove yourself from the situation. And know that you can negotiate for someone to change themselves. If you want to learn more about that, check it out on season one of the Homeschool Mama Self-Care podcast. This lady's name is Judy Arnell. She's the author of Unschool to University and various other books, and such an interesting conversation about how to address anger in our homeschools. Acknowledging anger as a sign that you need to change something or address something in someone else is a healthy and happy way to approach your angry feelings. So what do you think? Have you had a shift in how you think about happiness? Why it's valuable for you to create practices toward it? I have a wall hanging that says happiness isn't a destination. It's a way of life. That's a beautiful reminder to me that happiness isn't a place that we arrive at. It's a continual practice. So have your beliefs about happiness shifted? Now what do you think about happy people, and how can you build on your own happiness? Thanks for joining me today. It means a lot to me to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, the Patreon support group, or my website, CapturingTheCharmedLife.com. Shoot me a message with your thoughts, your ideas, or questions. And if you'd invest a couple minutes in me, could you leave a review on Apple Podcasts? If you grab your phone, find my podcast, and go to the bottom of the page, you'll see a button that says, write a review. When you do this, write a review, you're sending a message to the algorithm gods to let them know to share my podcast with other homeschool families. Recently, I heard from Jen Jen is a Waldorf-inspired unschooler in my own town that has a Maple Rose store. Love Maple Rose store. It's a Waldorf-inspired store for homeschool families. She said in her newsletter, In other news, recently, I had the pleasure of finally meeting Teresa Weidrich in person. She's a homeschool coach and author who lives just around the corner from me, but we'd originally became friends in Instagram. Funny that, huh? I'm happy to have her book in the shop now. Woot woot! I read it a couple years ago and filled it with many dog ears and highlights. I love it. I hope you do too, because you can't care for yourself too much. Ain't that the truth? She also shares if you're a homeschool parent like I am, this is the kind of book that you need to read. Homeschooling is a big job. If you're doing it, you know it. In Homeschool Mama's Self-Care Nurturing the Nurturer, Teresa will help you grapple with overwhelm, doubt, perfectionism, anger, boredom, and impatience. She knows how easy it is to overlook basic self-nurturing when faced with a steady stream of childhood needs. She brings her experience to help you learn to reframe those uncomfortable feelings and develop the perspective that implementing self-care practices brings. Teresa has a wonderful blog, offers homeschooling courses and mentoring to parents around the world and she hosts the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. Thank you so much for sharing that, Jen. You can find Jen's Waldorf-inspired store for homeschool mamas at www.lovemaplerose.com. Until next week, I hope that you and your homeschool kids can turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. You've got this, girlfriend.